Hi, my name is Nancy Saxton Lopez, and I'm here with my good friend Ken Dolento Vecchio. Um, the two of us have worked together for a long time, and we wrote a book, The Pet Loss Companion, that came out in 2013. It was a labor of love for us. And now we have our Facebook live presentations. And tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about guilt. Yeah, great to see you, Nancy. And we're going to cover some basic uh, categories in our discussion. We're going to talk a little bit about what guilt is and why it's just something that's a normal part of life and certainly a normal part of grief. We're going to tell some stories about circumstances where loss is, loss brings on a, a lot of guilt. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about kids and why this is an important topic if you're a parent and there's the loss of a pet. And we're also going to talk about how incredibly painful it can be when, as a human being, we make an error. We make an error, and the death of our pet is the result of that. So we'll talk a little bit about circumstances where that's the case. And, I, and I'll start and just say a little bit about the fact that guilt is, no, guilt is normal. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think that guilt is fundamental, and you may differ in your perspective on this, I'm not sure, but I feel like it's fundamental to relationships, to connections with other human beings and with our pets. And in fact, I feel that guilt is essential. And if we don't have some degree of guilt, we're probably going to act as lone actors mm -hmm. too much of the time. We're not going to feel accountable. We're not going to feel responsible. And so I believe it's very normal and natural for us to experience a certain degree of guilt, not something that we should just push aside and say, we're not ever gonna, we're, we're not ever gonna take this seriously or we're never gonna, we're gonna try to turn our backs on it. And I also think that if we're a person who doesn't ever experience guilt, that there's actually a, a diagnostic category. That's right. For that, right? And that's that's sociopath. Yeah. That's somebody who who doesn't have concern about others, who only acts as though other people and other living things are tools for them to use. That's right. And and so, and they tend to end up feeling very alone, feeling very angry, feeling very, very frustrated by the losses that they've experienced. And it's just, uh, it, it's not, it's not a good thing to live in, to live your life and not experience any guilt at all. Of course. And, and, you know, guilt is probably one of the hardest <clears throat> emotions to work with in, in grieving. You know, obviously people are sad, people are angry, people, you know, are, are yearning, people are depressed, but guilt's the one emotion that people have the hardest time with. And, and it is a normal grieving emotion as we're talking about. And, and, and I feel that many times the people who experience the greatest depth of guilt are also the people who have gone so far in terms of conscientiousness yeah. in caring for their beloved animal companion. And, and I was just mentioning to you before we went live the story of this couple who would come to the group and they talked about how their dog had had hip dysplasia for a long time 
And they were taking their dog for hydrotherapy treatment at about 45 minutes distance, a 45 mm -hmm. minute drive from their home, two or three times a week for a very, very long time. And they were racked with guilt at the fact that their, their beloved dog had to be euthanized mm -hmm. at a certain point where a whole bunch of different illnesses conspired to, to make their life miserable. And it was just really striking to me that these were people who had, who had done so much, who had been so attentive, attentive, who had been so caring. And here they were with this, you know, just sort of struggling with grief. Yeah, we we had quite a few people, unfortunately. Um, some of them didn't come to the group because, of course, with that kind of potential accident, um, they were too embarrassed. But um, someone who would act, had accidentally, you know, backed up and killed their dog, um, or someone who actually was a, a caretaker of the lover of her, her dog, caretaker of her dog took her first vacation and the dog died while she was on vacation or, yeah. you know, different accident. I mean, one young couple had moved into a home, opened the door, dog got out, got hit by a car. So, you know, all of these things, you know, they felt, or a, young, a man who unfortunately just forgot his dog was in the car, you know, yeah. unfortunate things happen. And yet the guilt with that can be astronomical because of well, really big, big, big I remember people who called and, and asked what the other group members, how the other group members would receive them that, right. because they had left their dog. And I think it was actually two dogs in this case in the back of the car and had forgotten them as some people have done with, with children as well, sure. right? And they asphyxiated. And I remember saying to them that I really hoped that they would come because the group would welcome them with the understanding, and certainly you and I would welcome them as well, with the understanding sure. that we make mistakes all yes. the time, that human beings make mistakes, and that we can't, we can't let it destroy us. And, and it, as it was, those particular couple who I'm thinking about did not come. I think it was just too much it for was them to, they were too to they were risk. Too they were too nervous too about nervous. it. But, you know, like you said, we've had people who have made mistakes. I remember there was one very young couple who had gone hiking with their dog and they let their dog off leash when they were hiking. And they happened to be near at a, a live train uh, track, yeah. and their dog got run over by a train. And they supported each other very, very nicely in in the aftermath of that. And I think that was very instructive yes. for the rest of the people there to see, That's right. look, we, we love each other. We were, this is something that we did regularly. We know that it was something that our, our dog loved to do, loved to run. And, we were doing our hiking and and they worked through it they talked to each other and they got they got through it and they used the group too which was a very wise thing to do to broaden the circle and That's kind right. of talk about how and, how pain they were and how riddled with guilt they were and how to get support with that 
Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think that there were too many people in the history of us doing the group that didn't have guilt. And oh, yeah. they felt yeah. they had, especially in euthanasia decisions, they, yes. did, they felt either they waited too long and the animal suffered or they did it too soon and something else could have helped their animal live longer. And so there was this battle in them all the time about, I should have done this. I needed to do that. Why didn't I see it? How come yeah. that happened? Why I should have, I should have done, gone to another doctor. I should have gotten that x-ray. I should have done all of these things. And so there's really no answer to that because no, there, there, there isn't the, to go through. Yeah, the, the availability of euthanasia introduces a great benefit in ending suffering, yeah. but it also introduces a dilemma for so many loving pet guardians. Right. So there's such a dilemma just for that reason. It's like, the, and, and the way that I think about it is you're very, as you said before, you're very unlikely to leave the death of your animal companion feeling guilt-free. Yeah. It's very unlikely. If you love them and cared for them and they meant a lot to you, you're probably going to feel some degree of guilt. And of course. I mean, even what I just said, I mean, opening the door, the dog gets out, the dog gets hit by a car. I mean, the guilt, I shouldn't have let, how, how, why was I at the door then? Why did, you know, or, you know, we had issues um, with one young woman who was at a dog park. And she had, she was holding her dog and a little girl came up to her and she put the dog down and, and another dog came over and killed her dog. So those, those unfortunate things, I mean, it's heartbreaking and it was certainly really difficult, a group at that point. And everyone was really like, wow, you know, we feel for you. It wasn't your fault. You know, because people would take that as, and like, you're going to go into talking about kids. It's my fault. I did this. It was, yeah. I should not have let my dog down. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or even, even one of the things that I know you've discussed is the, the question of whether or not a pet knows that they're dying. Ah, yes. If they know that they're dying, then is there something that we should be doing to, offer some kind of consolation or support or, or something to ease that understanding. And, and, and the idea that I'm left with is you could never do enough for, you know, you, you, we can't eliminate whatever fear there might be, but I know you, you, you've talked about that. Well, we, yeah, we talked about it because I think people come in and they absolutely believe that their animal knew or that they were going to die. And, and, you know, talking to veterinarians over periods of time and say, they say from that perspective, what they say, look, your the animal knows picks up on your feelings. They, they pick up on what, how you're acting but they don't literally know that that's what's going to happen because dogs and cats don't, the animals don't think that way. They don't think future. They don't have that interpretation. So I think that's helpful for people because they really believe 
that taking their dog or their cat or any other animal to be euthanized is they already know that that's going to happen, but that that's not what happens. The other thing that I want to point out too, is I think it's important is that when they say I've done this or I don't want to make this decision, I don't want to be God. I, 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 you know, this is on me. This is, this is a responsibility I took and that I want to deal with it. But I think part of that has to do with telling them you're helping, you're giving your animal a gift to not suffer anymore. The disease is killing them. Sure, sure. That you're, you're ending the suffering. And, and, and the thing about this whole question comes down to whether the animal is getting enough pleasure out of living to right. outweigh the, the pain, the distress, the fear, the inf- that the infirmity, old age or injury is bringing to them. And, that, and that's, that's, that's the big question. And, and so much of this, so much of dealing with the guilt that's, that surrounds these kinds of decisions really is something that you just have to kind of keep walking through, right? And talking to other people about if that's the way you manage your feelings, talking to yourself, mm-hmm. doing the things that, that help you to relieve stress. So for some people, it might be making sure that you, that you exercise regularly and or that, or that you process your your feelings in whatever way you, you play music, you you do artwork, you do whatever helps you to keep going and express and acknowledge your feelings. Well, and that that goes into when you have a very ill animal, um, and you and I have had ill animals over periods of time. The anxiety also there's a, there's a guilt that's there because are you doing the right thing? But there's an anxiety because is this the day or is the next day the day? Or is it, or do I, when do I have to make a decision? When, when is that time going to come? Is it going to be in the middle of the night? Well, and, and, or when am I going to know? Now there is a quality of life scale that is available online that I think for some people would really help them kind of sort out when that decision could be made for euthanasia. Um, But it doesn't take away the anxiety that people start to feel as their animal starts to really decline. It's so much of that final decision-making, I think, is best done in collaboration with your your veterinarian, with other people who you have very close connections with, certainly people who respect how much this means to you. And and that's maybe a family member, it may be a partner, it may be a dear friend, depending on what your, your life situation is. But this kind of decision-making, I think, is best done collaboratively. Yes. And and talking talking about how you're feeling about it talking about and 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 letting in the best counsel that you have letting it in i mean i i i know some people came to 
the meeting and they would say that they were being told that it was past time right. to let their animal go, to ease their suffering through euthanasia. And they didn't do it because they needed so desperately to hold on to them. And now they were feeling, you know, they were feeling very, very badly about that. So, so much about, about guilt too is forgiveness. So much about how to, how to move with it is to just try to be gentle with yourself. Just try to acknowledge that we do the best we can. We, we can only do the best we can. Yeah. I think I want to also point out, because I was pulled into this when I, um, during the, my internship, getting my veterinary social work certificate, that couples would not agree. So sure. one was able, able to say, I think that we should euthanize. And the other one said, I can't do that right now. And so that is a real social work thing in veterinary practices because the vets and the vet techs don't have that kind of time to really sit with a couple and work that through. Um, but it's it can be excruciatingly difficult, you know, because they all they both have to be on the same page, you know. Yeah. And, and there can be so much conflict. Yeah. That comes if that isn't work through as much as possible beforehand. Mm -hmm. beforehand. I mean, the way that I, I think about that in general, and it's a very broad stroke, is that if one person can't let go, then you probably need to spend a little more time before moving forward with the euthanasia. It's the kind of thing that you can't take it back once it's done, and you don't want to be seen as the person who forced the issue. Yeah, one one couple in particular, she didn't want to make the decision because she felt that her husband would blame her. Ah, uh, uh -huh. so so that was a th four or five hour thing, you know, trying yeah. to work it through with them because the vet was saying it's time. I mean, you know, the animal's suffering. So we got there, but it, but it it did take a while. And and of course, in a couple relationship. What you just described would be the, the present moment in a long-standing pattern of, yeah, of the conflict. Right. And so, so this just gets added in to questions about do we trust each other? Or do we give each other enough, enough support in the way that feels supportive? And... You know, those are those are the kinds of things that I think are really key to understand that everything that happens is built on everything that came before. Yeah. And, and, that, and that certainly is true for a situation like this. And it's also true that this kind of situation is going to get is going to heat up right. whatever kind of tensions might be might be there. Why don't we talk about kids a little bit? Yeah, sure. Be such a such a challenge for kids when there's a death of their pet because kids of all ages tend to feel res overly responsible. responsible. Right? Overly it's their responsible. fault. You know, everything is their fault. So especially when you get even to, into young kids that have magical thinking, you know, so the dog may be very sick they, or the cat, they don't, they don't understand that the cat dies. <gasps> You know, maybe it was me, you know. Yeah, it was, it was, and it can be totally, the, the, the 
thinking can be, as you said, totally disconnected from the real, from even the care of the pet. So it, they can be thinking something like, well, you know, I have not been doing my homework. <laughs> right, right. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm not a very good boy or I'm not a very good kid. And this is this is what happened as a result, even though it you know have absolutely it's no nothing connection. to do. Right. So one of the things that that you know, we've always talked about is it's important to tell your kids very explicitly, even if they don't mention it, to tell them, you know, it's not it's very common for kids to feel responsible for bad things that happen around them, particularly in their family. And so the death of our cat, our dog, our horse, our whoever, you had nothing to do with that. They died for, and you describe what they died from and why they, why this was the end of their life. And then you just reinforce that if you're thinking that, I'm not saying that you are, but so many kids do That's that right. I, it would, it would, it just makes sense to put this out there. Well, it's important to put you, it out there. Yeah. You got to let it go. You got to try to let that go because it's not your fault. It's not anybody's fault. It's it's just what happened. Right. And very important. And I, I feel like this is something that it's it's so useful for parents to give to their children. It's it it's important for parents all along to bring their children into the obviously older kids into decisions too. Um, you know, they want to, a lot of times parents want to protect their kids and so they don't really tell them things because they think they don't want to hurt them. But in the end, it's really better, especially for kids that can understand teenagers, uh, middle school teenagers, that they could be brought into those decisions. Sure. And I, everything that happens in the life of a family is training mm -hmm. or being a mature adult. And so everything about getting a, an animal companion, nurturing them, taking care of them throughout their life cycle, and then being with them when they, being there when they end, when their life ends, all of these are great and important learning experiences. And it's important for parents to, to help their kids through that, not to, you can't shield your kids from life. You can't no, shield them can't from shield. reality, you know. Um, it's, yeah, it's very important for them to also demonstrate, because they're the role models, demonstrate their pain themselves, you know, because mm -hmm. otherwise kids can look around and say, well, if they're not upset about Rover dying, are they going to be upset about me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's absolutely okay to have some emotional crying or being upset or being sad around your kids so that they understand that they can be that way. You know, they can, they can express themselves. The role, yeah. The role modeling is always, we're, we're always our kids role, our kids mm -hmm. fundamental primary role models and something we should never, never let out of sight, I think. And that's, that goes on throughout sure. part of the years of and our lives. 
you've done a lot with with uh, parenting, um, but it's it's important for you know parents to have to be able to to nurture their kids through this, but also it's what they do more so maybe than what they say. They're, the kid's experience of the family, of how parents are, of what they do, of how they interact with one another, I think is, is, has a great impact on how kids, you know, develop, right? Sure. Um, it's all, the way that I think about it is that our kids are absorbing us. Yeah, right. They're yeah. absorbing, they're watching, they're taking in, they, they, they know far more about us than we think they do. Mm-hmm. They're observing us in ways that are that are really uh, serious, impactful. I mean, right. really, they and 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 when it, again, when it comes to guilt, I think it's okay to talk with your yeah. your kids about how you're feeling and how you're managing the way you're feeling and how you're moving forward. And one of the most important things that you can tell your kids is that you're getting help mm-hmm. if you are very burdened with guilt or sadness or yeah that you're getting help so as we wrap up this conversation today what what kind of thoughts would you like to leave um i think what we talked about about the parenting is really important as far as kids go um i did have a colleague years ago and um, when she was a kid, she and her family had a dog and all of a sudden the dog was gone and the family said, oh, well, you know, it was better for, you know, Fluffy to be on the farm. And she found out as an adult that they had actually euthanized their dog. So, I mean, she was really upset. She was, yeah. off, you know, so. Yeah. What parents do is important. Guilt is a normal reaction. We don't want to be consumed with it, obviously. So it's important to talk to somebody about that, talk to a therapist, come to a group. But it's normal to have guilt around death and around life. Yeah, and, and it, to me, when you, when you talk about kids, one of the most important things is to consistently help them navigate reality yeah to tell them what's real to not try to protect them from things like loss or their own feelings to certainly not if they are feeling very guilty about something they did that maybe was harmful to their pet or their guilt is is not at all realistic to help them through that to talk through it but not to denigrate their feeling, not to tell them you shouldn't feel that way, nor should we ever tell ourselves. That. I mean, the thing that I think, one of the things I think is just so important is that, look, if you're feeling guilty, that's okay. That's valid. Just keep going and take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. One of the things that, that I always like to think of when I, when I think about loss and grief is that grieving is the, is the process of taking news, really unwelcome news, and emotionally chewing on it, if you will, right. until it becomes older news. Mm-hmm. And the feelings are, are not so pressing, they're not so painful, they're still gonna be there, they're still gonna come and go. And that 
that's what the process is and that's what we deserve to do and we deserve to just kind of keep going and realize that we'll get through it we'll get it's, through it's it. a, that's a really good analogy because then at some point i would we would say i would say to the group or the person i hope that at some time you can forgive yourself you can't take it away but we hope that you can yeah so nancy it's been great talking with you we will be back next Thursday at 6 p.m. And we'll look forward to sharing with you then. And in the interim, if you have questions or comments, things yeah, you think would be important for us to address, we're, we're happy to hear those. Yes. So good night and great talking with you. Take care.